you're not going to send me home, are you? Home? <laughs> what an idea. Mm. I couldn't send you home, even if I wanted to. Oh, that's all right, then. I think I'm beginning to enjoy this space travel, or whatever it is. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we'll be watching The Ark. The Ark. The Ark was written by Paul Erickson and Leslie Scott, was directed by Michael Emerson, and produced by John Wiles. The Ark aired March 5th, 1966 to March 26th, 1966. Uh, Caleb? I'm so relieved. I'm so fucking <laughs> relieved because we actually get to watch something. Oh my god. It feels Is like it's been show? fucking forever. <laughs> it feels like it's been fucking forever <laughs> since we've gotten to actually watch an episode. Ugh. It's been like a month. Longer than a month, I think. At least, at least. Hold on, let me let me double check. Well, we took two weeks to listen to the Dalek Master Plan. Yes. Oh, it's been a it's been a minute because we had Galaxy Four, The Myth Makers, Dalek Master Plan, The Massacre, and now we're at the Ark. Good God! So yeah, it's been five weeks since we've watched an episode of Doctor Who. At at least, which I'm sure Mac is going into some like crazy withdrawals over. Um, I mean, I'm pretty content, but. <laughs> Oh, you're oh, so you're happy to do uh, just the audio versions? Oh well, I should have I should have uh, I should have planned. I'm sure we can probably find an audio only version of the arc for you, Caleb, if you prefer that. <laughs> After that, it's going to kind of um, alternate between audio and video. So, oh god, yeah, uh, Caleb. Given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the name of this episode, the arc. What do you think this episode's going to be about? Man, this is a tough one. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Noah's Ark was the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. This was... is an episode of uh, the Doctor just straight up abducting animals before a massive flood, and then people being like, that must, that guy must have something to do with God or something. <laughs> and then they all drown, because that's pretty much the Doctor's MO. That's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good... Uh... It's a pretty good guess, because, like, you hear the Ark, and you think of the Ark. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was going to say that, or it's uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and this is the episode of Doctor Who, Doctor Who being such an important part of the cultural zeitgeist. Steven Spielberg watched this episode as a, as a child, and was like, I'm going to make a movie about that. <laughs> I'd buy that. So this is Doctor Who and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who and the Ra- Doctor Who and the Raiders of the Lost Ark is a movie I would absolutely watch. <laughs> Indy, my dear boy. <laughs> oh my god, just put just put him in the place of uh Sean Connery in uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> in The Last Crusade. Boom, bam, there's your movie. <laughs> all right. And with that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. Boop, 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 boop. 
back may have just been a couple seconds for you but it was what was it it was a week and a half i think week and a half yeah in, in like 10 days 11 i had stuff going on this week i was trying just trying to pull up the fucking calendar but my computer auto installed windows 11 so everything's fucked up now oh god yeah tell me about it <laughs> okay yeah week and a half fuck jesus <laughs> <laughs> so caleb before we really dive in general thoughts what'd you think about the arc i actually really like this arc there's some parts that i think are really silly but it that's par for the course uh, i don't know if it's coming back to like the visual medium but i don't know i really liked it it's it's up there in my vague best episodes <laughs> yeah it, it's in that direction this this is kind of my blanket statement is i think it's really really good but it has one huge pulsating flaw growing out of the side of it <laughs> what's 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 the pulsating flaw or is that a spoiler for later we'll get to that it'll it'll come up in episode three <laughs> <laughs> at some at some point i don't know if it really because I, I can't remember any of our conversations even when i listen to them i can't remember if there's really been a point where like our real divergence in storytelling has happened yet or, like the way we enjoy stories because if anyone hasn't noticed, Mac really pays attention to detail, and I like super do not. <laughs> and I also, I also don't like really think logically as a viewer. I will accept almost anything a show tells me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the um, I think the only ones we've really drastically differed on are Reign of Terror and the Romans. I think those are the only ones that we've really diverged at all. And I don't, I wouldn't even say we were really diverged in the Romans. It's just that my opinion was, I didn't hate it. I thought some of it was good. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, every single moment of this is an abomination and an affront to man. Yeah. And then I hated the Reign of Terror. And you were like, I don't know. I thought it was good. (laughs) So (laughs) We're very divided on Terror. Is it Terror Nation? No, Terror Nation's the good writer. Terror Nation's the good writer. You're thinking of Dennis Spooner. Dennis Spooner. God, I will never remember all this. Dennis Spooner did write The Time Meddler as well. It's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Tolerable. Anyway, let's get into talking about it, shall we? Let's do it. I guess I'll just start with uh, diving into the first description. Yeah, that is that is how this show works, correct? Oh, yes, I forgot. <laughs> it's been 11 days. Episode 1, The Steel Sky. The TARDIS materializes, and Dodo immediately runs off to explore. Stephen chases after her, lecturing her about how they are no longer on Earth. However, the Doctor notes that the conditions are very similar to that of Earth's. Cut to the Guardians, a group of humans I can only describe as wearing tassel dresses. Their old leader is mad about someone pulling a lever wrong, and senses him to being a teeny tiny man. The Doctor and his companions... <laughs> Sorry, I have to laugh at my own writing. <laughs> the Doctor and his companions notice the steel sky above them, and deduce they are on some kind of massive ship. An alarm goes off near the TARDIS, and the group is quickly apprehended by the Monoids. Brought before the Guardians, the commander is very welcoming of the visitors. However, his second-in-command, Zentos, is skeptical of their intentions. Dodo has the sniffles, and gives the sniffles to the Mondoids and the commander. 
but no one has had the sniffles in a long time, and now may prove fatal to the Guardians and the Monoids. Zentos orders the Travelers to be arrested and punished for their crimes. Air quotes. Um, so, first of all, we've been, we've been in um, audio drama land for so long that it was honestly kind of jarring to me hearing the Doctor Who theme song <laughs> and Peter Purvis not coming over saying, Doctor Who, The Ark by Paul Erickson and Leslie Scott. Like, the fact that it didn't have any narration over it was very, ah, what am I doing? Oh, right. Video, visual, visual medium. <laughs> Why is the song so long? <laughs> Has it always been this long? I had, to, I had, like, a weird sense of relief. I don't even really feel like I like the show that much still. But, like, seeing the theme, I was like, ah, finally. <sighs> finally. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I don't know. Maybe it's growing on you. Who knows? <laughs> maybe I just hate the audio dramas. <laughs> or maybe you just hate the audio dramas. Yeah, so uh, Dodo runs out of the TARDIS, and she's like, ah, you guys are pulling my leg. This is clearly Earth. And Steven is like, no, it's not Earth. And she's like, really? Then why are we surrounded by a whole bunch of flora and fauna that is completely native to Earth? Check and mate, atheists. <laughs> i was like you know what that's actually not that's not bad logic dodo that's actually it's not a stretch to assume you're on earth yeah dodo isn't at, as dumb as like they kind of like initially kind of leaned into what she was the doctor still treats her like she is but i like to think of her as a savant because she's still not particularly smart but she did say oh no i know a lot about animals i've studied animals a lot and so that's how she was able to, like, name all of the different animals and, like, the specific species. Oh, that's right. I don't know if, I mean, I won't go so far as to say she's my favorite at all, but I do love Dodo's, like, chaotic energy. Yeah. She's just happy to be here. <laughs> the fact that the first five minutes of the episode is literally Steven chasing her around going, what are you doing? Stop. It's no, just amazing. Stop. Don't, 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 don't eat that. Just spit it out. Spit it out. Spit it out. <laughs> Also, I, the, the, this is super important. We gotta talk about this. What did they do to my boy Steven in the audio dramas? When we mean? first saw Steven, he was unshaven. He, he had some stubble. His hair was a mess. He was handsome. Mm, perfect punk rock energy. Now they've got him in a, in a button-up shirt with his hair combed over. He looks like a fucking nerd. Okay, well, he was clean-shaven in the time meddler. I don't know what yeah, but at least he had a Yeah, but at least he had a turtleneck, you know? I don't know. He looked... <laughs> He looked bad in this episode. <laughs> it's like he was clean shaven, yeah, but he had that turtleneck. Mm. <laughs> mm. Turtlenecks are sexy. I can't talk though, because the night that I met my wife, she was wearing a turtleneck and she fucking rocked it. So like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that his hair was so. Maybe it's because it was long and it was parted. I was like, Stephen, you look like a dork. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, it must have been Galaxy Four. I'm pretty sure, like, it opens with them hanging out in the TARDIS and, like, Vicky was giving Steven a haircut. I'm pretty sure that happened in one of them. I don't know. I didn't like Steven's outfit. That's really it. That's, really <laughs> that's the rest of what I'm trying to get at. But, uh, see, I, was, I thought you were going to talk about our other companion because the moment Dodo stepped out of the TARDIS, I was like, Dodo, sweetie, honey, the fuck are you wearing? Yep. I thought that, too. I was like, hmm, that looks like a Crusades outfit. Yeah, it looks like an outfit from the Crusades. And then it's funny because just a couple minutes later, the doctor is just like, oh, by the way, what the hell are you wearing? <laughs> I did appreciate that. 
And I guess since we've already brought up, can we can we just talk about how like fucking rude the doctor is to Dodo the whole time? Yeah. In, in this episode, I think it's even like right before he, he mentions her outfit, she like sneezes or whatever, and he's like, "Oh dear." He's like, "Honey, do you have a handkerchief?" And she's like, "Uh, yes, I do." And he's like, "Then use it." Then fucking use it. <laughs> yeah. No, I make a note about that later. Uh, I don't. I don't know where it was. <laughs> And then he, like, corrects her grammar. I was like, God, doctor, chill the fuck out. She keeps using slang. Like, she calls yeah. something fab at one point. It was very, uh, my fair lady attitude about yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think... Uh, all right, follow me on this one. So, at the end of the massacre, the doctor makes the note that Dodo looks so much like Susan. And then Steven's like, I never met Susan. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. So... My theory is that he is exactly my fair ladying her in order to try and get her to be a little bit more like Susan. <laughs> uh, I will believe that Head Cannon, like, once he, like, really harangues her about, isn't this terrifying? What does that make you want to do? Do you want to scream? <laughs> once he bullies her into crying, I'll be like, okay, yeah, he's trying to, like, <laughs> groom her into being Susan. Kind of. So we get to the uh, the trial and the what how did you how did you put it how did you put it in your description <laughs> I said something like and the commander was mad about a guy pointing a lever wrong and sends him to being a teeny tiny man pure poetry <laughs> yeah so basically the way that the arc works is that there are humans who are in control of it and it it's like just enough to be able to work it. it's like a skeleton crew and then um they have a like thousands of other humans like shrunk down and frozen and like put in like petri dishes so that they can store them away for later. So when they get to their planet destination, they'll be able to just add water and you'll have instant population. So that's <laughs> that's what that was. I make the note of, wow, the shrinking effect is actually pretty good. I thought it was actually pretty impressive for the time. Would you like to know why it was so impressive? Wait on me. So, Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. This is the last episode produced by John Wiles. Ooh. This, uh, this is John Wiles' last episode as producer, and he was very bitter about that. So, he brought in all these animals. He made expensive sets. He did. He went all out on the special effect budget. He did everything he could to go over budget as much as he possibly could <laughs> in order to fuck over the next production team. <laughs> oh my god. That's a level of petty we could only aspire to. <laughs> That's true, because I thought that the whole time. I was like, man, like they really fucking cranked it out. And I was like, I'm assuming they just gradually added this over the episodes as their budget got bigger. And I was like, but man, they really cranked it up since the last time I saw this show. No, John Wiles was just walking backward out the exit with two middle fingers, just <laughs> fuck all y'all. Well, that obscene budget and fucking over the next production team um, resulted in the best episode of his time in producing, I think. Yeah, I would I would agree. <laughs> interesting. That's uh, that's interesting. But no, let's talk about the story for a second. Well, first, let's talk about these tassel shirts. What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> it really does look like they just took a bunch of like dresses and then just like cut them up long ways because <laughs> like the longer i looked at it, i was like surely they're wearing something under that and then you finally see something up close i was like no they're just wearing like dark underwear and like bras underneath it i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like what how does that make any sense this is what people in the future would wear oh future, caleb you can't judge fashion i absolutely can't judge fashion <laughs> I'm a fashionista. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Dodo is like one of my favorite archetypes, 
where like she's kind of dumb but she's very knowledgeable about completely random things like her knowledge of zoology it's kind of like how my best example is uh, the character of woody in cheers he is dumb as a bag of bricks but he beats the harvard graduate at chess every single time he plays <laughs> like i just love the savant type character <laughs> yeah oh but anyways so at this trial for this guy uh this was a good bit of not foreshadowing i don't even know how to say it but it was a good element of mystery building because like the this guy's on trial and like the commander is like mad he's like you pulled the lever wrong you could have killed us all and i'm sitting there watching it like it's just a lever dude <laughs> Like, you're going to be shrunk down the teeny tiny for 700 years. I'm like, that seems a bit extreme. But as you learn more about where they are and you realize that they're on a ship, makes more sense. Pulling a lever wrong on a spaceship on a 700-year journey could be disastrous. Yeah. So, I don't know. I appreciated that. But it was kind of, it, it did seem very extreme in the moment. I'm giving you the minimum sentence of 700 years in teeny tiny form. <laughs> Which, if it, if they do, like, flash freeze them, like, I, like I'm pretty sure they do, that's like having a, a sentence of, like, blinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's going to be flash frozen, 700 years are going to be passed, and then he go, he's just going to wake up. It's like, ah, oh, well, darn, I really learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't, like, altered carbon. Can we talk about the monoids for a second? Yeah, and their fucking eyeballs and their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's what it looks like. That is exactly what it is. The, the monoids, the monoids, the way they look is they have one singular eye, and what that actually was was a ping pong ball in the actor's mouth that they would just, like, move around with their tongue in order to replicate an eye moving. And then they had, like, this moppish, Beatles-esque wig that they put on that would cover up their actual eyes. So, like, <laughs> so the mouth was the only actual eye on the face. And I think they... Maybe they didn't, but because I feel like the first time you see one, because like the first time you see one, it just looks like a guy with you know shaggy hair, and then he turns and you see the eyeball in his mouth. I feel like they later in the episode they gave him like real them real face coverings, but in that particular shot, they just like rubbed a bunch of dark makeup on him. Yeah, I th- I think the fact that it's lips instead of eyelids that are around the eyeball was the most apparent in that first first yeah. opening shot. Yeah. Then they speak in this not actually sign language, sign language, because they can't actually talk. So Mm -hmm. they have a couple of translators who just like, they don't do actual sign language, but it looks like they're saying something. They they karate chop in specific directions. (laughs) Yeah. And I do love how the Guardians are like, oh, yes, we are going to this far distant planet that is very similar to Earth us and our good friend the monoids oh uh you you missed a spot there monoid could you could you just uh, mop up that little spot there yes our good friend the monoids <laughs> totally not slaves definitely not slaves there was one thing i uh i learned in my i'm not sure if i learned it in my writing class or not but it was like super basic stuff that happens in day-to-day life but if it happens on screen it means something like people cough all the time the moment someone coughs on screen you know that it's going to be a big plot point. So it's like the moment that Dodo sneezed, I was like, Dodo's about to kill all these people with the sniffles. <laughs> See? Oh, okay, maybe it's one of those things where like, I just didn't pay attention. Maybe it's because there's so many, like, kerfuffles or not scripted things I noticed in this show where, like, Dodo sneezes and I'm like, oh, okay. It's like... Yeah, if she just sneezed and they went along with the scene, that would be one thing. But she, like, sneezed and, like, had the sniffles and then they brought attention to the fact that she 
I had a cold. I was yeah, like, I guess so. ah, this is... let me guess. They haven't dealt with the cold in several thousand years. <laughs> Again, uh, the difference between me and Mac, finally. Mac thinks about what's going to happen in the story. And I just accept everything as it happens to me. <laughs> Mac's like, well, that's probably not good. I was like, yeah, okay, she sneezed. Like, what's next? <laughs> it's Chekhov's mucus, Caleb. Don't you know about it? <laughs> it's funny because like they're being sort of invited in and shown everything and the commander's daughter milliam she's like uh would you like to see the statue that we're building and dodo was like it depends and steam is like yes yes we would love to <laughs> it was like she'll like just elbows dodo real quick it's like shut up yes we would love to see your statue thank you for offering <laughs> i love dodo I kind I kind of love that. She's a straight shooter. She doesn't have enough brain cells to be subtle, <laughs> so. and that's why I like her. Bimbos and, and himbos make the world go round. This is my firm belief. <laughs> <laughs> that's our first T-shirt on the Quick Trip Through Space and Time. But yeah, the the statue. The humans are building a statue that uh, is going to take a long time. The time to reach the the planet that they're shooting for. It's going to be built in like a monument to humanity and also the monoids are there. <laughs> oh yeah. And so the cold starts to spread. Monoids start dropping. The commander gets sick and people are like losing their strength everywhere. And I have the note of Dodo, you are about to be the direct cause of death of thousands of innocent lives. Welcome aboard. <laughs> <laughs> You're part of the team now. Yeah, and then the second in command is like, lock them up. And I'm like, this guy, this man is an idiot. If the travelers are from a time when the cold is common, then they probably have a means of fighting it. So just let them cure it. But uh, humans are humans, no matter how far in the future you go. Yeah, I think the thing that kind of like stood out to me about that character and like this arc is, I mean, I guess you have to in storytelling or whatever, but it's always just two very extremes of... <laughs> how people feel about the travelers i feel like every arc we go into there's one character that just that just trusts the travelers is like we have no reason not to trust them i believe everything they say and one person who's like it doesn't matter what they say they're liars yeah <laughs> it'd be nice to be like uh, like i, I kind of believe you but like i don't really have a reason to <laughs> yeah uh then someone being like uh, like i don't know you kind of annoy me but i'm kind of indifferent to you otherwise <laughs> but i guess that wouldn't be dramatic enough you gotta have the drama. Honestly, that would be great. I would love to have just some, like, side character from one of the stories. Just be really annoyed by the Doctor. <laughs> and just, like, after the Doctor just, I don't know, does whatever he does or explains whatever he explains, and him just go, are you done yet? Hey, why aren't you talking? Like, we already figured it out. Uh, thanks for helping, I guess. So there were moments that uh, <clears throat> Jackie, here's another piece of trivia for you. There are moments where Jackie Lane slips into the Cockney accent that she initially practiced the character in. But apparently the higher-ups kept putting a kibosh on that because they said that it was unacceptable for a character to talk in anything other than, quote, BBC English. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> Those moments where the Doctor scolded her is actually just William Hartnell getting pissed at her. Stop being Cockney! You know how I hate Cockneys! <laughs> But uh, that's all I have for that episode. That is also all I have for that episode. Let's move on. Episode 2, The Plague. Zentos wants the travelers punished for bringing the disease to the ship, and a trial is set, with the commander's daughter agreeing to help defend the travelers. 
Hence, she does absolutely nothing during the trial. The court asks one of the travelers to come and defend themselves, and Stephen volunteers. During the trial, Stephen is physically ill while presenting, and eventually collapses when the court finds the travelers guilty. After urging them for mercy, the doctor and Dodo work tirelessly to cure Stephen and the guardian commander. Eventually they do so, and they are allowed to fuck off in peace. The guardians return to building a big stone statue, which will take them something like 700 years to finish. When the crew rematerializes, they are still on the Ark, and the statue has been finished. However, it is fashioned after a monoid instead of a human. So yeah, the doctor berating Dodo is a weird choice <laughs> that I'm wondering if they're going to keep going because I have the note because they're like they're stuck in the cell and Dodo is kind of beating herself up a little bit. She's like, this is all my fault. I, I brought the cold here. This is my fault. And the doctor is basically like, oh, no, 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 my dear. It's not your fault at all. But please do shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, and like this at the moment, like this is getting ahead of ourselves, but like after they're free and they're allowed to go back to the TARDIS and stuff, he like gives her a list of stuff to do and he's like, Go get this and he she's like, Okay and he's like, That's not how you fucking answer. Yeah. Apparently okay is slang, which I didn't know. <laughs> the first doctor would just have a straight up fucking conniption in twenty twenty two. This arc project is a very short sighted idea. I mean it's long it. It's got a long vision considering they're like, we'll reach there in 700 years. But they have one person assigned to every single like job on the ship. So if one person dies, like, ooh, I don't know, let's say, for example, the commander, the entire operation is fucked because they have one specialist for every job. Well, I hope our navigator's okay, because if he's not, I guess we'll just drift in space now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was weird, the emphasis on how small the crew is, especially because I, I feel like they said the ship is huge, like really, really, really big. Yeah, well, they have literal elephants on the on the ship. I feel like in the last episode, they even showed like a readout, like they showed like a little map of it. And they're like, yeah, mm -hmm. we're right here. And it looked like a teeny tiny little spot. Yeah, I think it was mostly just to accommodate all the different animals and the crops that they were that they inevitably would have to grow. Then again, they probably have future food. Yeah. Here's some paste that tastes like fried chicken. <laughs> the doctor already explained that in like episode two of the show. And then the, the the trial happens and Steven is just like, here's all this absolutely solid evidence to prove our innocence. And then the judge is just like, yeah, but I don't feel like it's true. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm quoting him exactly. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't feel like it's true. I'm like, what kind of kangaroo court is this? The Queen of Hearts? Who gives a <laughs> shit what you feel? Steven has evidence to prove their innocence. Yeah, and the, the I mean, like, it, it really was kind of like a, like a mob ruling, because, like, everyone's, you know, pissed, because, like, the, the second command is, like, drumming them up the whole time. And they're just logical things of, why would we make ourselves sick? Um... And the, their little response was, uh, I don't know, because fuck you. Why would we make ourselves sick? I don't know. You're the crazy ones. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> exactly. And the way like their like, lawyer just kind of like accepts defeat. They're like, okay, everyone voted uh, Everyone voted guilty. No, nothing else to do. That's what you get when you have just a public defender. <laughs> <laughs> I had four and a half seconds to prepare my case. Accurate to the, the job cycle of a public defender. Yep. Yes. <laughs> And so Stephen gets sick and they're like, okay, fine, doctor, you get to use your friend here as a guinea pig. Either you kill him and you save us the trouble or you fix it. And um, I think this might actually be the first time that the doctor has practiced actual 
honest to god medicine despite being a doctor <laughs> yeah and part of me wishes like this little arc had gone on longer because i really would have loved to see the doctor just bullshitting his way through this something happens that really confuses me the doctor tells dodo to go back to the tardis and grab this this and this and she's like i don't know where these things are and he's like well just open your eyes child and look and i'm like no i'm with dodo the TARDIS is big. If he doesn't tell me where specifically something is, I'm going to be so fucking lost. <laughs> yeah. And then he scolds her for saying okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dodo's just like, all right, I'll get you your medical supplies, but like, drop me off back home, please. I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> the, the danger is no big deal for me. You're just rude. I don't like you. <laughs> You're just kind of an asshole. Mac, I know it's spoiling the show. But please tell me someone says that to Doctor Who at some point. What, he just they just call doc, Doctor an asshole? Yes. I mean, I don't think they use the word asshole because it's typically a PG-rated show. Boo. But, uh... <laughs> You're telling me at no point we get a TV-14 rating? I think we do, actually. I think the Doctor actually like does dip down into PG-14. You mean dip up? That's an upgrade to me. <laughs> I actually did really like the the weird predicament that the doctor was in uh, because he's having to do some experiments to try and figure out how to help Steven with his, his fever that he has. Because this is a hyper advanced society with technology so advanced, they no longer use the means that were used when the vaccine was first created. So mm -hmm. like this is technology so advanced that he can't use them to solve this basic problem. I just thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> That is kind of neat. And uh, again, I really feel like, because I feel like this is actually like a good opportunity for the doctor to do his supposed bullshitty creative problem solving. And we don't dwell on this long enough, I think. I just would have liked to see him do it, because I feel like every time we see him like bullshit otherwise, it's like, I don't know. I don't enjoy it that much. But I was like, this is, a, this is actually a good opportunity to science the shit out of this. Then this episode of Doctor Who just becomes house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, I don't know, they didn't. And we will talk about that and its implications later, I guess. So, because, yeah, I mean, I like this episode, but it's also very much like, okay, we have this problem. Well, the doctor fixed it. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, the doctor makes the vaccine and it works, of course, but the downside is that now all of them have autism. <laughs> <laughs> Topical jokes. This is a smart show. We're witty. And then everyone's just like super grateful that the doctor saved them and thank you. <laughs> the doctor helped solve the problem that they caused. They get on this tram that's being driven by, by a monoid and the tram starts going and it's just like, you know that scene in Austin Powers <laughs> where he's in, the, he's in the car and the guy's like, no! <laughs> But he's just like at the far end of the hallway and the thing's just moving so slowly. That's what that tram feels like. Get out of the way. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like they could have walked back to the TARDIS faster than this tram. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. It was like, man, it's so slow. I can't even describe it as a golf cart because like, I'm pretty sure golf carts move faster than that. Guess I'll just have to kick it into maximum overdrive. <laughs> I don't have much to say about this episode, but I, there is a funny moment. Right, right as he's like curing Steven, 
Dodo's like, his fever's getting worse. And he's like, oh, no, that means he's fighting it. That's good. And then Steven does this, like, back jerk, like, I'm fucking possessed by a demon <laughs> spasm. Dodo naturally freaks out, and then he collapses. And the doctor goes up and touches his head. He's like, my God, it worked. All you had to do was have an exorcism. Yeah, he just had to have a seizure. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> the seizure means it's working. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I thought that was very funny. <laughs> the last note of this episode, I think this is probably one of the best cliffhangers we've had. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. This is actually a well-earned and well-earned cliffhanger that pays off. Because when you pan up and you see that monoid eye, you're like, you're like oh, well, that's not good. Yeah, because I was like, okay, I'll watch one episode a night. I feel like that'll be nice pacing. And then episode two ended with that cliffhanger. I was like, well... Guess I'm binging the rest of this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, wow, that sucks. I could not have perceived the monoids overthrowing the people that treat them like slaves at all. <laughs> I just think it's, it's it's funny that, like, the TARDIS, as it is now, just basically chooses a completely random spot in all of time and space. And this is, like, some Hitchhiker's Guide level bullshit of just... It chooses all of time and space of where it could possibly land, and it lands in the exact same spot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're not in the same spot. If we're talking about time and space. They rolled an infinity-sided dice, and they've rolled a natural 20 twice. (laughs) (laughs) They're not in, like, the same, same spot, though. I mean, like, they're several hundred light years in another direction. I guess, but, like, it's the same spot on the same ship just 700 years later, which is just, like, the biggest coincidence I think they've had so far. I think there's too few moments of the Doctor just opening, not opening the door, and it just being open space. Right. (laughs) Oh, we appear to be between galaxies because that is the vast majority of space and time. I better shut the door real quick. Though, in his defense, he does have the scanner. To show him if he, if he's in the vacuum of space. <laughs> that's true, I guess. I don't know. I feel like there's more. There should be more moments of like, that's space. That's space. That's space. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Look, that that's why the doctor gets out and explores every single planet he lands on. He's just tired. The last twenty seven spots have been oh, nothing but space. He's like, oh, finally something to walk on. Let's just go. Let's just walk around a little bit. I need to stretch my legs. <laughs> Uh, but that's all I have for this episode. Uh, yeah, that's all I have as well. I guess I'll read the third description. Da-da-da-da. Episode 3, The Return. The travelers realize they have arrived on the Ark again, 700 years in the future. They also quickly realize that the monoids have enslaved the Guardians. The monoids were able to take control because the virus brought aboard by Dodo and the vaccine the doctor used to cure them severely weakened the humans and allowed the monoids to overcome them. The ship arrives at Refusus 2 and the lead monoid, called One schemes to take over the planet while destroying the humans and their ship with a fission bomb. When the monoids take the Doctor to the planet, though, it seems entirely deserted. They meet a refusion and learn that the species lost their physical form to a solar flare many years ago. They agree to let the monoids and humans live on the planet if they come in peace. Another monoid, too, relays his plans about how to destroy the refusions and an unseen refusion blows up the launcher in response. We'll get there when we get there, but this episode contains 
legitimately one of the funniest goddamn moments in this entire show so far. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, st- I paused it, laughed my ass off, rewound it, and watched it again, and then I went to the next room and was like, Brittany, Brittany, you gotta watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, now we come to the uh, big pulsing problem that I have with this this particular story, because the monoids have enslaved the humans. And I was like, oh no... Oh no, they're not about to vilify the slave race who rose up against their masters, are they? And yeah, they really paint these this slave race fighting back against their oppressors as, you shouldn't have done that, that's a very bad thing for you to do. And it's like, oh, this makes me feel icky. <laughs> they kind of turned it around in the end. I mean, a little bit. Most of them do have to die first, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm vaguely xenophobic towards aliens. Because I was sitting there watching, fuck the monoids. I don't want to live with them. They're creepy looking. <laughs> they got one eye. That's weird. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't want nothing to do with them. They're taken captive, and then they're brought before one. And I would have really, really liked it if one was like... Oh, because of your direct actions, you're the ones who helped us take over. Awesome. Thanks for that. I'll show my thanks by letting you leave in your ship again. Congratulations. You helped instigate the slaughter of thousands once again, and that really helped me out. We're cool. <laughs> and then I'm just like, damn it, again. Why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> Why do I keep committing mass genocide? Is it me? Am I the problem? And then uh, and then both companions go, yes. Yes. And then they're like, well, like, doctor, you caused it. And then he just shrugs and goes, well, they were probably going to die anyway. You can't prove that they weren't going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever told you about the time that I visited uh, Caesar Nero? You see what happened. Was... <laughs> and they're like, so you caused him to burn Rome. Well, he was going to do it anyway. Well, he was probably going to do it anyway. But they meet the other humans... And one of the humans says something that I think is was honestly brilliant writing. They said, how in space did you do that? Because there's no world for them to say, how in the world did you do that? They're just like, how in space did you do that? How in space did you do that? <laughs> I didn't think of it. I was like, oh, okay, sci-fi phrase. <laughs> okay, okay. So they go down to the surface, right? And this is this <laughs> this is where I had the part that cracked me the fuck up. Because it's too... One of the guardians, Dodo and the doctor. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, Dodo asks two how it is that they're planning on getting the entire population down to the surface. And two says, Don't you worry. I don't think we'll have as much of a problem with that as you think we will. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dodo says, Are you up to something? And then, and then, like the camera just shifts to see to show that the guardian was like standing right between them, and two is just like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, that killed me. <laughs> I just wanted to go like, um, no. I just thought of a really funny joke someone told earlier. I'll tell it to you later. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like something similar happens in. I think it's the next episode. Like one is there, and they're all like, you know, we're gonna go back to the ship, 
<laughs> well, I, I don't remember exactly how it plays out. But one is basically like, we'll kill the doctor and his friends when everyone is gone. <laughs> the doctor's like literally standing right there. <laughs> now the doctor's in the place of the Dalek who's like, I can hear you. And the doctor's like, oh, that's how I sound. Oh, I need to learn how to whisper better. <laughs> uh, and then the group on the planet, they enter into this building and two is just like pissed that there aren't any refusions to greet them. He, he says he wants to get their attention. So he just starts lifting up vases and throwing them across the room. It's like, yes, now I'll break all their vases. That'll show them that I mean business. We have to show them how to respect us by breaking all of their things. I think I love too, and I'm kind of genuinely sad that he dies at the end of this episode. I had trouble telling all the monoids apart believe it or not yeah well the only thing that tells them apart is a little number that's on their collar but as we've established i'm xenophobic to the monoids <laughs> they all look the same they're gross i want nothing to do with them i do like the refusions though the refusions are kind of cool i was kind of expecting i make the note of like i bet the refusions were great for the budget because they're invisible but now i now that i know about john wiles trying to amp up the budget as much as possible I'm kind of surprised that they don't look more extravagant than they do. <laughs> they, someone, someone probably just told him, no, there's like, we're going to have the refusions, and they're going to look like this and, and that. And they're, they're like, no, they're invisible. John, you just drew a biblically accurate picture of an angel. I know, it'll look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, so the refusions were hit by a solar flare and turned invisible and got psychic powers, it sounds like. Sounds dope as fuck. I think the idea is that they were able to kind of separate themselves from their bodies. And so now they no longer need the bodies. So they're able to telepathically communicate and they they can't see each other. I think that was that was the deal with the refusions. Well, that sounds fucking great. I want to be hit by a solar flare. <laughs> I don't have to see anybody. I'm immaterial. And I, I don't know, I'm basically magic. I think the doctor even asks them at one point. He's like, can you see each other? And he's and the refusion was like, no, but we know when there's another refusion in the room. Like we can sense each other. That sounds great. That sounds perfect. That sounds kind of cool. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't have to see any of you motherfuckers anymore. But I know when you're around, and I have cool <laughs> magic powers. I'll know when you're around, so I know when to go into the other room. It'll be great. We're also recording this like the day after I saw like they took a new picture of the sun, and it just straight up looks like there's like a big like fucking fiery god in it. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I got for that episode. I don't have much to say about this episode. I feel like this episode and the next episode should have been one. Really? Yeah, I really feel like they took their time. And like there, there was like some weird back and forths to the ship and to the planet. In the next episode, but nah. The plague should have been two episodes and this one should have been one. But, uh, but yeah, but if we have anything else to say, I'll read the next episode. The Bomb. There's a rift opening in the monoid leadership with four openly saying he wants to replace one. One conspires to get rid of him when it's convenient. The Refusions are hesitant to let the monoids or humans live on the planet because of their contentious nature. They agree to let the humans live on the planet if they can escape their monoid masters in one day. Steven hatches a plan to escape the monoids and, make, and everyone makes their way to the com control room. But they have arrived too late as all the launchers off the ship have been deployed, leaving them behind. Once they are on the planet side, the monoids fighting only intensifies. After most of them are killed, the Doctor and Dodo escape back to the Ark on one of the launchers. 
There's a refusion that helps them levitate the statue holding the bomb into the launch bay and eject it into space. With the fate of the human race secured, the Refusions ask the humanoids to make peace with the monoids. When everything is said and done, the travelers leave on the TARDIS. But not all is well, as the Doctor is phasing in and out and turning invisible. He believes that this is a direct attack from an unknown enemy. I made a note at the beginning of this episode. I don't think I've been bored of this entire story, and that is like a welcome rarity and high praise for early Doctor Who. Yep, I pretty much felt the same way. Like, I I have my quibbles with, like, some of the pacing, but overall, like, I wasn't really bored. I was kind of engaged. I was like, hmm, I want to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, there's a lot of times I'm watching this show, I won't lie, where I, like, tap the screen to see how long it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't blame you. I did that significantly less this yeah. arc. One's plan to just blow up the ship the moment that they leave is kind of dumb, because on the off chance that two was attacked... He was. Maybe they'll need somewhere to escape to, like, I don't know, say, for example, the ship that he just blew up. Maybe keep the ship as a backup plan. One, just a just a thought. Nah, I like, I like his balls to the wall. I was like, hey, man, it's <laughs> it's all in or all out. Like, it's win or lose. <laughs> we take this planet or we don't. We've been traveling for 700 years. It is all or nothing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's like a good show of force to, like, they're hoping, like, when we land and the Refusions see that we blew up our own ship, they'll think we're fucking nuts. They won't want to deal with us. I know this particular feature of the TARDIS hasn't been established yet, but I'm pretty sure, like, within within the next couple of episodes, it is established. But the TARDIS is a feature where if it feels itself being attacked while in space, it uh, instantly lands on whatever planet is closest so a good plan that they could have done is Steven just bring all of the humans into the TARDIS and then just wait for the Ark to explode and then it would land on Refuses. That feature has not been established yet. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the Refusion flew one of the pods back up to the Ark so that the humans could escape. And it's really, it was really weird. I would not trust the Refusions after this because the pod opens... And Steven and the others, like, look in, and they're like, there's no one in there. It flew by itself. And then the Refusion laughed, like... <laughs> yeah, like, super fucking ominously. That is an evil laugh! <laughs> right after the Doctor and his friends leave, the Refusions are like, alright, you're all our slaves now. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had slaves in a while. Now, we don't actually need anything, so you're mostly just going to be killing each other for our amusement. And they were like, well, we were doing that before, so... Yeah, same old, same old. Any of his weapons or just a nice little character thing is I really like how Steven is trying so desperately hard to save as many people on the Ark as possible. Because after the master plan and the massacre, I think he's just fucking tired of being surrounded by death. And he's like, no, no, we're not doing this again. I'm saving all of them. Yeah, I can see that. It's a good, a good little character thing. Steven's sick of the violence. The Doctor probably craves more of it. Probably. He has an unquenchable bloodlust. Oh, um, <laughs> so there's there was one of the humans who had been working as, like, uh, a top slave uh, for the Monoids. He was clearly showing that he was going to be a problem in terms of this whole trying to escape from the Ark thing. They get down to the planet, and his name was Maharis. He just, like, runs out of the shuttle and, like, up to the closest Monoid. 
saying, it's me, it's me, I'm with you, don't worry, I'm with you. Blast And then he them. just instantly shot. And I like to picture just like the other guardians in the in the shuttle just like passing each other five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> five bucks says he's killed instantly, five bucks he lasts a minute. I also uh, like that um, they were just relatively unfazed by it. Like he ran out and he was like, Masters gets blasted. Everyone's like, well, anyway, I think we can escape now. <laughs> yeah, that guy was a dick. None of us liked him. <laughs> uh, I'm really trying to think of what else happens this episode. I mean, really, like, a good chunk of the middle of this episode is just a bunch of monoids shooting each other. Yeah. I have, I have a question. I'm not sure if you picked up on it or not, because I, I do not remember. Did the monoids kill all of the flash-frozen humans? I don't think so. Okay. Because I think their plan was to kill all the Guardians and all the Flash-Frozen humans when the bomb went off. Right. Okay. So then the Flash-Frozen humans are still around. The Refusions are like, all right, you two play nice. The Guardians that are still around and, like, the three Monoids that are still alive. But they've got, like, hundreds, if not thousands, of humans still in their storage containers. So, like, they are so outnumbered, this is not going to be equal footing here. (laughs) Well, they they do reference, um, like, because, like, the one or whatever, like, he wants the Guardians to, like, pack up all these, like, flash-frozen containers. And they reference that there's monoids in those as well. So uh, there are flash-frozen monoids and humans. Okay. Okay, okay. That, that's fine. I was worried that... I was like, okay, cool. I'm glad that we've established peace. This is good. I'm I'm down for this. But you're going to really outnumber them, and that's not going to be even at all. So, um, so, yes, I think you're right, and I'm... <laughs> yeah i'm glad we made peace but you're race i'm not gonna lie you guys are fucked <laughs> i hope you're like cheetahs and like and naturally incestuous or whatever <laughs> i'm glad that it like it does end with peace and like a handshake rather than like the humans just talking down to their uppity uppity former slaves i can almost guarantee you that the ones coming out of flash cryo is gonna be like hey so um couple of updates these guys can talk and are our equals now and we are no longer using them as servants yeah you're gonna have to get used to that (laughs) people are pissed probably all these boomers coming out (laughs) (laughs) how am i supposed to function in society if i can't be racist (laughs) right people are too sensitive anymore back in my day 700 years ago which was just like a minute ago to me we did things differently (laughs) (laughs) all i'm saying is that they might have to film like a like a, a workplace tutorial video <laughs> with like the humans and monoids working together. It's like, okay, so congratulations. You've just been thawed. Welcome to our new planet. Um, watch this video. And then just like put a VHS tape into a, <laughs> into a small like CRTV. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I do think it's, again, I have not thought enough about the show to really articulate what is like my absolute favorites. But I feel like this is up there. It has a pretty good pace. I like all the characters. No, There's no, like, grading. I absolutely cannot fucking stand this person. Even in Second Command for the first two episodes com- comes around. Yeah, like, he's fine. He's no worse than, like, other villains. <laughs> even though he's not really a villain. Um, But even then, like, it, it probably would have been worse if his presence was longer. But he was there for two episodes. Notably, there's too little of the commander's granddaughter. She should have survived. There it is. I was waiting. I had the note earlier that said, I'm going to bring that up later because I knew you would not be able to go the entire episode without talking about how Millennium is hot. (laughs) 
Romelium is hot. What can I say? I saw her and I was like, well, there's Caleb's favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> too little. Too underutilized. She she was great. But no, I, I liked it. I also really liked the episode. Don't like how the monoids were treated as villains for the uprising. One thing I really liked about this episode is that I think it's the first time that the doctor gets to see the results of his actions instead of just like changing the status quo and then peacing out. He sees the results of, oh, I didn't do a good enough job with this virus thing. Oh, I caused an uprising. Oh, people are dead. Hmm. It's not it's not a distant thing for him. It's not like, well, I mean, we don't know that I that Rome wouldn't have burned anyway. Ah, hmm, my actions. Ooh. Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my actions. I think I probably would have liked to see that a little bit more. Because, uh, like, I do like the fact that, like, you know, we got to jump forward and see the fallout of them arriving. But I don't feel like the Doctor really had any kind of emotional arc with that. He was like, oh, wow, that sucks. Anyway, um, we're going to blow up the ship real quick. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is true. Um, I just, like... If nothing else, just from an audience perspective, I like being able to see that not everything is hunky-dory the moment the Doctor leaves. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. In terms of my ranking, uh, just like how the Massacre almost cracked my bottom five, this one almost cracked my top five. Came this close. I'd say it's on par with the Aztecs for me. Hmm. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I think I like the Aztecs more. Yeah, so do I. That's the that's the story that was vying for that number five spot. And I was just like thinking about it for the couple of days after watching. It. I was like, nah, I think I like the Aztecs more. It's like it just barely missed being in my top five. Now, if Steven had like an arch, like a like a nemesis and like it, it built up to the, like them like duking <laughs> it out. I've been like, yeah, all the testosterone firing off my brain like it did in the Aztecs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, and that's it for this episode, guys. If you'd like to talk to us about the show, you can find us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you'd like to talk to us in general, you can find Mac at MacTheMa and at CLB underscore Clark. You can also follow Mac's YouTube channel, which is really good and talks about video games, at the same name, MacTheMa. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we listen, yeah, listen, sorry about that, to the first story with the new producer, good riddance John Wiles, in... The Celestial Toymaker. I waited for you to say, let's get going this time. I appreciate that. Um, Brittany asked me the other day, she was like, why does Caleb make the noise if he knows for a fact there's a transition? <laughs> and I was like, because he didn't know there was going to be a transition in the episode. And after that, it was just tradition. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I can't break it now. Because the, the one time I don't do it, they're like, why the fuck didn't Caleb make that weird noise? We missed the weird noise. That's why we come back every week is to hear Caleb do the weird noise. Now, uh, <laughs> it's the thing. Everyone gets four minutes in the episode and just stops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now we so, but now we should just replace the TARDIS noise with just like me making a TARDIS noise. <laughs> just you go, <laughs> just, you <laughs> ASMRing it, just. <laughs>